Hi, this is V popping in at the start here. It took us a minute to really get into the swing of recording these. So the first episode was recorded at the end of 2018, which is why we referenced that the Downton Abbey movie is coming out next year rather than this year. I also wanted to note that while we're getting established, our audio equipment is pretty rudimentary, and we hope to be able to invest in this at a later date. Okay, on with the show. to Downton Down Under with Fee, KJ, and We're here to have a discussion about the first episode of Downton Abbey, which is... Topical, because the series has just finished, hasn't it? No, the series hasn't just finished, but there is a movie coming out next year. Oh. Yes, I'm very So there, there was a couple years of uh, break, and now we're revisiting Downton one day, and... Since I'm the person who's actually seen the whole series, I'm probably going to have to <laughs> go see it on my own because we are not going to be done by the time we get no. this movie comes out. Are they doing a – there's three approaches to that. It's a 90-minute, nice and tight movie, a three-hour Lord of the Rings film or what they've done with all the Harry Potters where it's two films to yeah. tell the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Who yeah. knows? But maybe I'll do a, like, one-person podcast with my reactions for the, everyone else who's listening who... Um... And we'll have spoiler alerts for the other two people that are doing this podcast. <laughs> spoiler alerts. Yeah, so they won't... Um, Bishan and KJ will not be permitted to listen to that episode. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> until, until Until we finish this, this whole thing. In ten years' time. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Shall we go through and see what our history is with the show? Might as well. (laughs) I have never seen anything. (gasps) Aside from the one episode that we have watched together. Yes. I have bought the DVDs as presents for mum, but I have never watched (laughs) any of them. That's such a classic mum present. My extent of Downton Abbey is, do you have season five? And is it under $30? (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Um, So for me, I um, got... Probably about I think three seasons in, and then there was a pivotal plot point, and my soul was destroyed, and I refused to watch anymore. But yeah. I will for the sake of this show. That was the season three finale. I will like confirm that statement there. That was the season three finale, and I was not prepared in any way, shape, or form for the emotional trauma. Oh, good. There's emotional trauma coming. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiling, <laughs> and I am Downton Trash, and I've seen this like three times, like all the way through. So <laughs> you're here for the diehards. Yes, yes, I am. Which is also why I have been given the job of summarizing the episode. Yes. Which we will begin now. <gasps> we <Cut> two feed in. <laughs> we open on a telegraph receiving a message and a middle-aged man is riding on a train as we follow the telegraph lines which are making the ding, little ding, 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 ding noise. 
A woman reads the Morse code and insists that what she's read, just read is impossible. Before we cut to a shot of the castle with a little title card that says Downton Abbey, created by Julian Fellows. Is it impossible because of the contents of the message or is he just baffled by Morse code? Like, impossible. The machine types it out. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this machine yeah. before. First title card fade out and it fades in to let us know that we're in 1912 and we see Daisy, the kitchen maid, waking the other staff. I'm not really sure how old Daisy is meant to be. It's never actually said explicitly, but she could be as young as 12. Oh, I'm trying to remember her face. She's the little yeah. kitchen maid yeah. girl. Well, she's got the little later on the, down the track, spoiler alert, but like she's probably a little bit older than that. But that's all the way, that's like five years on. Just think of how much ground this season covers. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Even yeah. in the first episode. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so she could she be... She could be. She, she could, could be like 13. Yeah, 12, 13, 14. But yeah, she's very young, is my is my vibe, just based on like how she behaves. Okay. So young and waking up the house. Yes. Um, we meet a number of the house staff, some of whom will be important. Others, I have no idea if we ever see them ever again. There's a few that I don't think we ever see again. <laughs> In this sequence, we meet Anna. We meet Anna, Mrs. Jon Snow. I have that in my notes. Um, her name is not Mrs. Jon Snow, but the actress is. <laughs> in real life and the show. Yes, in real life and the show. And now I'm having a momentary blank no, on her actual no, name. Anna's not. No, no. Oh, yeah, Anna, Anna and oh, Mrs. Mrs. John Snow, Snow right. who are roommates. Yes. Um, I'm sure Snow. that further Rose. down in my notes. <laughs> Rose. Karen. Uh. Rose Harrington. Leslie. Well, Rose Leslie. Rose Harrington now. Is she Rose Harrington? Did yeah. you change her name? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I don't know. They got married like six months ago. No, yeah. three months ago. There's that great video where she finds his head in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Anyway, we I will find somewhere further down in these notes but what her actual name is because it's blanking on me right now. Um, that we also meet Mrs. Patmore, Thomas and William. In the library, we learn that Daisy is afraid of the electricity, which is why she's building a fire in the dark. And Anna says that a nearby house even has it in the kitchens. And Daisy's just like, what for? <laughs> because this is a time where you had to make a meringue by hand. I've made a lemon meringue pie completely by hand before, and I never want to do it again. So lots of arm. Yes, yes. Of my arm died. <laughs> Did you use the... the What's the Jamie Oliver thing where it's not with your wrist, it's with your elbow or something? Yeah, like yeah, I had to put the elbow into it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, don't recommend at all. 10 out of 10 <laughs> would not recommend. <laughs> the housekeeper, Mrs. Hughes, and Mr. Carson, the butler, acknowledge each other before Mrs. Hughes joins Daisy and, and Gwen is her name! Gwen! Gwen! <laughs> in the library. Here we learn that nobody in the family is meant to see Daisy upstairs and I honestly don't have an explanation for that one. Did yeah. you look that one up? Um, I didn't look that up, but I can. Give me one minute. <laughs> one, one minute. Historical expert over here shall Google this. Yeah. Is that meant to be like the uh, we hired someone to help us out, but the but the the uh, owners don't know. Owners is the wrong word. Um, <laughs> owners <laughs> don't know. The residents um, don't know, so we, they, she can't be seen. Levels of. It might just be that she doesn't have a uniform. That's like, true, she's, she's, she's not in full garb like everyone else. Yeah, she's just got her little pink dress, which could be why she's not allowed to be seen. 
Yeah, because it's improper and all that. They're all very stringent. Yes. We see our first member of the family, Lady Mary. She's the eldest daughter of the Earl of Grantham. Anna is not only the housemaid, but she also acts as lady's maid to um, Mary, Sybil, and Edith, which is not the correct order of ages, but I don't care about Edith, so that's fine. <laughs> no love for Edith. <sighs> like, the, this episode clearly wants us to like her more than we like Mary, but, like... This is incorrect. <laughs> and people can fight me. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Edith. <laughs> the newspapers finally arrive and the news from the opening scene is finally revealed. The Titanic has sunk. <gasps> Robert Crawley, the Earl of Grantham, descends the stairs for his breakfast and we get an idea that he's a bit more compassionate than we might expect an Earl to be. When Carson says he believes that they got most of the women off the ship, Robert points out that it would have only been the ladies in first class, and God help the poor devils below decks. Leonardo DiCaprio and what's-her-face <laughs> from the film? Rose. Uh... Kate Winslet. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I'm just coming out with the roses today. I'm like, You Rose. really are. Everyone is Rose. Yeah. This is probably because we were also talking about Doctor Who earlier. Yes, that is probably <laughs> true. Put La Bien Rose is the end song. <laughs> We finally receive the telegram when the young ladies enter the dining room and Robert immediately leaves to speak to the Countess of Grantham, who was awaiting her breakfast in bed. Downton Abbey is passed from Earl to Earl, and Robert and Cora have not had any sons. James and Patrick Crawley, the first and second heir to the estate, have died on the Titanic. Patrick and Mary were intended to be married, but now the future of the young ladies is in question, as no one yet knows anything about the new heir. Much of this is explained by Mrs. O'Brien, Cora's maid, the local gossip. <laughs> O'Brien. I love O'Brien. Oh, she's so oh. terrible and so excellent. <laughs> <sighs> she's my spirit animal. <laughs> the man on the train arrives at the house. He's the new valet to the... I want to say valet, but they pronounce it valet. Valet. You're yeah. in Australia. <laughs> valet. The new valet to the Earl, Mr. Bates, walks with a cane. Literally everyone downstairs hates that he walks with a cane. Because he's so cool. Maybe they call it valet because they're from the north. It could be. That's north. North. They're yeah. from the north. They're from York. York. <laughs> Yorkshire. Yeah. E-bagum. <laughs> I actually also don't like Mr. Bates, but that's not because he uses a cane. I just kind of find him creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I love the like, not because he's a cripple, but because he's low-key creepy. Well, we're going into, like, the fact that everyone hates him because he doesn't, he um, has this disability, and I'm like, I just think he's weird and creepy, and I don't like him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a very uh, different relationship with that actor because I... Because of North and South? Yes, I love North and South. Yeah, yeah, he's, he and he's gains such, points for me in, with that. He's such a good egg in that one. <laughs> And he just makes me feel happy. Add that, add that to the list of things Bishan hasn't seen. Yes. <gasps> what? I was no. about to say, yeah. We but, need, <laughs> before we record the next episode, you need to have watched this. It's, it's on Netflix. It's on okay. Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's and a, it'll only take you four hours. It's a four-part really? miniseries. Only four hours. It's also got um, The Love of Our Lives, uh, Richard Armitage. As oh, in... Okay. Uh, Guy of Gisborne. Guy of Gisborne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was good in that new uh, Ocean's 8. Yes, yeah, he was. He was. Right Unfortunately, Richard Armitage does not appear in this show. Which Ow. is a travesty Ow. because there is not enough northern actors 
to go around and it is a crime that he missed out. Mary's reaction to Patrick's death is to just confirm that she wasn't officially engaged to him so she doesn't have to mourn him as a fiancé. Technically, cool. she's like, well, we didn't. Technically, we didn't, didn't announce it. Anna didn't really dig him, so three <laughs> days in the black, is that fine with everybody? Actually, we'll come to that. Yes, we will. We've got, we're going to have a lot of discussion about what, what full mourning really means, but. Um, Just a big mourning. Yeah, she's kind of being a dick about it, but she's also 21 years old and can probably be forgiven for not wanting to stay inside for the next two years. <laughs> oh, two years. Yeah, yes. that's two and years that's... of no parties. <laughs> we'll find out what full morning actually. Okay. So yeah, I'm we will come. We'll come back yes. to full morning. Yeah, reserve your judgment. I'm my judgment. <laughs> she also realizes about halfway through this scene that she's not reacting acceptably and looks horrified with herself, which is a bit of a mood for me. <laughs> yeah, like I really should be more upset about this, but I'm not. Does that make me a terrible person? I'm also feeling upset on the inside, but it's not coming out that way. <laughs> yeah. It's coming out as My bitch. eyes aren't communicating to my emotion. <laughs> it's resting bitch face. <laughs> Tom resting shows... Resting my husband, my future husband is dead face. <laughs> my future husband is dead face. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Tom shows Bates around his lordship's things and Bates makes a comment about how they have Crazy. access to all of these things that are incredibly valuable, but they can't take them. And Tom gives him this look like, yes, bitch, obviously. Cora is pushing for Robert to challenge the entail and Carson announces that the Dowager Countess has arrived but isn't here to speak to her son but to Cora. Robert says that Lady Violet won't have heard about James and Patrick yet and to let her know. The Dowager Countess is Maggie fucking Smith, who says that of course she knows. Why else would she be here? And this basically cements her as the best character in the show so far. She is fucking amazing. I, I, yeah, I haven't seen any of this and she was my favourite. Yeah, she came first out, episode. Yeah, we, yeah, she, we may just need to, at the end of every episode of this, just establish our favourite Maggie Smith moment. She puts up with no shit and I like that. Yeah, she's, she's a phenomenal character. I like the cut of her jib. We, we also just get this tremendous line from her, which is just that saying that she likes Patrick, but James was too much like his mother and a nastier woman never drew breath. <laughs> she's, she's perfected the withering insult. Yes, yes, she cool. has. It's like the, um, if on the scale of insults and verbal abuse, you've got Malcolm Tucker at one end and then you'd have Maggie Smith's character in this at the other end. Both equally effective, but with two very different ways of doing it. Yes. Fuckity bye. <laughs> Does not sound right coming out of Maggie Smith's mouth. If you fuck this up, I will. I can't even remember the full line. I like, I like, insects would be your I like um, Christ on a Bendy Bus. It's one that I use a lot. You use that a lot. On a it's good. It's got a good beat to it. Violet is, in, is here to enlist Cora's help with smashing the entail because she wants Mary to inherit the house, not a totally unknown person. Cora is especially down because we learn that the only reason there's still a house is because of Cora's enormous dowry of American money. American heiress. Cora just, whenever you say that, I'm like, why do they keep referring to the website where you ask questions? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did they name it after this character? Or did um, Cora exist before Cora? I think Cora exists before Cora. Okay. 
I don't know though. It's it's spelled C O R A. Oh, it's completely different. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, we get we get a little bit of um, Cora says, "Are we to be friends then?" Violet says, "We are allies, dear," which could be a great deal more effective. Which is like true, but also that's really harsh to say to your daughter-in-law. <laughs> Like, no, I'm not your friend. We're just working together, which I think is a better situation. I tolerate you. <laughs> I tolerate you enough to try and work with you on this. We learned that Bates was in the Boer War with Robert and everyone's been a dick to someone who has a personal relationship with their boss. And a veteran. <laughs> yes. <of> Christ. <laughs> you know, a man who has been injured in service to his country. Mm. Well, I... What a and they, it's really frustrating that he can't carry stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that he got that his position all... not by merit because he's a best mate of the of the. Yeah, and it's pretty funny as well that like they all turn and look at him like, "Oh shit!" And he goes, "Well, you didn't ask." Yeah, <laughs> which is true. They did not ask. While preparing for lunch after James and Patrick's memorial, Daisy accidentally sends up some kind of caustic soda because for some reason they kept in a dish that matches the bowl that they had chopped eggs in. Luckily, William doesn't know which chicken dish it was meant to go on and comes down to ask. So we just have her just having this, Thank you, merciful mom! (laughs) I'll never do anything daft again! What is it? Is it? Caustic soda. Well, it's, it's it, there's some form of cleaning agent yeah, that is toxic. It was it was for cleaning the brass pots, so I imagine that it would be very harsh. And like um, Mrs. Patmore establishes that it's poison, so it nearly gets put on the chicken dinner. Okay. <laughs> Which could have been spicy bad. chicken. Yeah. It burns my insides. Yeah, we've got um. So yeah, she's like, you have to you have to find William or I'll be hanged. <laughs> Which, probably yes, actually. Because, <laughs> you know, 1912 justice, I'm not sure where it was on executing children. Hang <laughs> them until she is dead. She probably would have been, oh no, not transported. I was going to say, she might have been it's transported. A, it's a bit late like trip getting transported. Yeah. Transport with Jason Statham. This is from, in a chair. Get in your toilet. <laughs> Robert's lawyer, Mr. Murray, confirms on the walk back from the memorial, memorial that if they were to detach Cora's fortune from the estate, Downton would have to be sold. Behind them, Edith is openly weeping, and Mary tells her off for making a scene as she can contain herself and it was her fiancé. Edith retorts that Mary should be ashamed of herself and Sybil tries to make the peace, thereby establishing the sister's dynamic entirely. Just some clever script writing. Mm-hmm. O'Brien suggests to Cora that Bates isn't competent to do his job due to his disability. In another room, Robert asks Bates how he was injured and asks to be informed if things are getting to be too much. Thomas and O'Brien have a smoke and discuss the affairs of the house. O'Brien is working on getting the valet job for Thomas by planting seeds of doubt about Bates. Oh, yeah, that's right. She wants... It was the... You deserved it more than Bates did. Yeah. Um, Thomas had been performing the valet's duties while yeah, they while they were right. waiting for um, someone else to be hired. Yeah. And he was a bit miffed that they didn't just hire a new footman instead. The young ladies all discuss bait, the bait situation. Mary continues the Heart of Stone routine while Edith makes her unquenchable thirst for the late Patrick Crawley known. <laughs> when Edith is gone, Mary feels able to express to Sybil that she is sad, but feels that she isn't sad enough, and that in itself upsets her, which again is a big mood for me. <laughs> yeah. 
not feeling sufficient uh, levels of grief for a particular thing and it feeling it on the inside but not coming out properly. Yes, and also feeling, what if I'm not actually feeling enough? Yeah. yeah. Thomas complains to Carson that Mr. Bates can't do the carrying part of his duties and then suggests that a valet who cannot carry luggage or wait at the table for large parties would lower the standards of the house. This is the point where I actually have to think, there are some good points being made that Mr. Bates actually can't do the full job that he's been hired to do. I have I have the the job rules of a um, of a valet. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, better paid better paid equivalent of a lady's maid. The valet was a companion of a master of the house and saw to every personal need. Like the lady's maid, the valet helped dress and style his master, accompany him, liaise with the other servants, and attend the private domestic arrangements of his employer. It doesn't say anything about helping with. Laying the table and all that, that sort of stuff. That sounds more like, a, like, like a, a PA, like lots of yeah. phone calls, letter more, writing. Yeah, um, more like a personal assistant okay. and dress Which, helper where they were sort of considered separate to the rest of the house along with the lady's maid. So the lady's maid was meant to be set apart from all of the other housemaids and stuff like that. They weren't mm. even in the same chain of command. And in that way, O'Brien definitely does fit that description. She yeah. she does not help with things that are not specifically not. her mm. duty. But then yeah. Bates sounds like he can do nearly all of that. Yeah. And he should be able to. Yes, he should be able to do that. They seem to have as part of the duties at Downton. Yeah. That so he should be able to do that sort of thing. Oh, God, oh. have we got a lawnmower starting outside? I think we do. Oh, um, Christ. <laughs> that's going to be picked up. If you can hear it in here, you can hear it on there, probably. Yeah, there's, there's a very... Yeah, it's... Oh, maybe not. Maybe a slight you amount of it. it in the background. Yeah. Uh, shall we continue anyway? We shall persevere. If yes. it's too trash, yeah. we'll have to try And, uh, low-key, he should have been on a, um, on a wage of £120 upwards per annum. Okay. That's pretty good. For the 20th century. Then, yeah. But yeah, I was going to go on to say, um, like, even if those aren't the official duties, like, these are the duties that they're hiring him to do. Um, Uh, Yeah. But at the same time, his social class means that he probably only had a limited education, so there would be very few jobs available to him that wouldn't call for some kind of physical labour. True. Which does put him in a very difficult position. Yeah. And this is prob- probably one of the very few jobs that he could actually hold down because yeah. he's got this in. <laughs> yeah. Cora then mentions that O'Brien has been telling Cora all of these all of these things and just everyone at this point is talking about Mr. Bates. He is the hot topic of the house. <laughs> he would be on front of the TMZ... Magazine for the house. Violet comes to dinner, and in the drawing room, she shields herself from the vapors of the electric lights with her fan. She makes another bid for Mary becoming the heiress of Downton, and she and Robert end up talking about Robert marrying Cora for her money. Robert makes an impassioned speech about his love of Downton. Not his wife. (laughs) He does. He does talk about how he fell in love with his wife after. They had gotten married, but initially did marry her for her money. 
scumbag. And though. also says that he feels real bad about that at this point. I feel Aww. like he would be conflicted about it. Because if you love your wife, you're like, you know, didn't, it wasn't for the, like, you know, didn't marry her with good intentions, but got there anyway. I never watched a full episode of The Bachelor, but I know that there is a refrain on there. He's like, she's not here for the right reasons. Like, Robert was not here for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> she's that. playing you. She's not here for the right reasons. She's here for the Instagram followers. Everyone's on that show for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Daisy is still very emotional about the Titanic. She has been having nightmares about it. When Gwen suggests that Mr. Bates probably saw worse in South Africa... Daisy asks if Mr. Bates enjoyed the war, compounding by thinking that Daisy is like 12 years old. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So the Boer War happened... 1897? Yeah. So Australians went. It was yeah. the first war for Yeah, Australia. but we weren't considered a... No, but it was the first... Yeah, the first war. Yeah. yeah, and um, the English saw us all doing guerrilla warfare kind of shit, and we're like, this is... This is entirely inappropriate, but yeah. also you're getting very good results. <laughs> is that, that's the whole story of breaking rent, isn't it? I think so. Is that the Boer War? Give me a second. Boer <laughs> War. Uh, 1899 to, uh, to 1902. Here you go. Uh, Bates tries to hand Gwen a tray, and he accidentally flips it off the table. Things do not look good for Mr. Bates. No. Did yeah. you... A bit loaded to give him a tray. It's like, go on, you've only got one hand. Yeah. This whole tray thing. Yeah, I think it was an absent-minded, like, can you pass me this? And then, like, oh, he... Yes. And then they realised, oh, shit, actually, he can't Yeah, because it was directly next to him where he was seated. Mm. <laughs> and it was full of all of the cutlery, so it was very dramatic when it fell over. <laughs> I'm Cenefix. Yes, yes, you are. KFX. KFX. The Duke of Crowborough is asking himself to dinner. They suspect it's because they think, because he thinks that Mary is an heiress now and wants to come courting. What, what's the the Duke of? His his um, Crowborough. Crowborough, Crowborough. Yes, oh. it might not be real. Oh, but it just sounds like he forgot halfway through. Duke of Crow. Fudge my way through that. There we go. <laughs> Crow, yes, Crow. Crow Barra. We cut to Mary and Sybil getting ready for the Duke's visit, and Edith comes in literally just to tell Mary that there's no point in looking good because it's all, because he's only here for the money. Because we've been seeing that Mary is the ice woman, but the fact is that Edith is the fucking worst. Yeah. Edith is also still wearing mostly black at this stage, while the sister and mother have picked purple. Mm. Oh, on that, that, shall we bring out the uh, the morning? So yeah, we might as well go into the morning stuff. Okay. Now. So basically, um, it was considered to be um, full mourning, especially if you were a spouse or an intended spouse. You were in the Victorian period, which ended in 1901. So this is only 10 or 12 years after that. Mm-hmm. You were expected to have a full two years of full mourning, which meant that you had no outings, no social, um, no social occasions, or anything like that, um, or house parties, anything like that. And you also had to go out in full black, which included a crepe veil. 
So no one could see your face from to, a as in like um, the the fabric. Oh no, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you had to have a, like a sort of like um, what do you call it? Crepe. Yeah. <coughs> no, I don't, I'm not think of the word. Um, Was well, it kind of like a chill, mesh? Like, yeah, yeah, like a chill. Yeah. So like a, a very black, thick chill. Yeah, thick chill veil. So no one could see your face out in public. Could you do people... clipping in it? Is it that kind of thick? Yes, that okay. sort of like. We're thinking like you literally can't see anything. Okay. That was full morning. Second morning. You also weren't allowed to wear any jewellery. Yeah, no jewellery. Um, so you, unless it was um, jet black. Um, yes. Yeah. And then you had a second morning, which is where you still wore black but your veil could come off your face and sit on the back of your head. That was nine months. And then once you had seen out that, um, that oh, no, it was a full year and a day. So full year and a day for full morning. Then you had nine months worth of, um, nine months worth of your um, second, morning. second morning, which is where you could have the veil and you were allowed to go out in public and people could see you, but you still couldn't go to parties and stuff like that. And then you had your half morning, which was only a three-month period after the nine months of your second morning, which you could bring in colours like purple and grey. But you still had to be wearing minimal jewellery and it would be mostly black. You'd be pissed if it was a leap year. Yeah. You'd have to do another full day of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. and, and when we were talking about Mary having to do, when she was like, oh, do I have to do full morning? Do I have to mourn him as a fiance? She either had to do the full two years, or as a family, you could do nine months of full mourning, and you didn't have to do a second mourning, and you could go straight into half mourning after nine months. So when they are, yeah, so it means that basically she could move on and actually have social, um, social occasions. So why do they have to do that? Because uh, it was just because because the Queen of England mourned her husband for forty years. Oh, okay. Queen Victoria so if, never so, came out of so mourning. So if future Mister KJ passed, you're gone for like three years. Pretty so much, like, like you you were not allowed out in public because you were considered to be grieving, and it was a respect a sign of respect basically for the person that died. Okay. So um, a lot of people. Oh, as well, we like um, it used to be. As well, if you, you know, if you, if your husband died and you were um, reliant on his income, you could marry again, but you were still in mourning for your first husband. <laughs> so it, yeah. But the um, this was during like so towards the end of the Victorian era. Once Queen Victoria died, they sort of backed off a little bit on the mourning. And it wasn't as heavy. And then, as soon as World War Two, well, World War One came, they sort of backed it off oh, even more be, because Christ, of, everyone would be in mourning. Yeah, would well, be a lot of people in mourning. Yeah, it was a national. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the many, many changes in fashion that came with the war. Yes. So this was sort of like in that in between period where they weren't sure a hundred percent what sort of morning was acceptable so the fact that they came into half morning a bit earlier than was although we aren't sure about exactly how much time has passed yes because we really don't know because they seem to fly through a lot of things in this episode there has been like at least it's at least a year that this episode covers yeah 
Carson prepares the staff to line up and greet Matt Murdock, the Duke of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> the Duke has met... Oh, all- yeah. It's <laughs> the Duke has met all of the family before except for Sybil. I assume it's because she's 17 and she hasn't been presented at court yet. Oh, yeah. So there's no London seasons for Sybil yet. Carson offers to act as Duke Devil's valet for his stay, but Dare Duke couldn't possibly impose and picks a footman to look after him. O'Brien kicks Mr. Bates' cane out from under him, making him fall over in front of the Duke, and Carson looks mortified. (laughs) The Duke asks Mary for a tour of the house, but specifically asks for an unconventional route through the attics and secret passages. We get a little... We get a little bit of a suggestion that Mary and the Duke got their Edwardian smooch on that season, during the last season, but I have no idea what that might entail since there was a chaperone behind every fern, is the line. Yeah. Mary feels uncomfortable that they're in the servants' quarters. She doesn't want to invade anybody's privacy. Duke Murdoch starts going through Thomas's room. Bates catches them. Mary apologises. Daredevil is an ass about the fact that she did. So why did you apologise to that man? <laughs> sort of thing. And she's like, I usually apologise when I'm in the wrong. <laughs> I'm not a total dick. Robert and Carson discuss Bates and conclude that he needs to be given his notice. Also, Robert calls his dog boy, even though later the dog is female and called Isis. <laughs> this, is, this, isn't, this isn't actually important. <laughs> Upstairs before dinner, Robert tells Bates he will have a month's wages to tide him over until he finds other work. At dinner, Edith tries to get Mary in trouble for showing the Duke around the house because she's the worst. Busybody. Fucking Edith. (laughs) Fucking Edith. Maybe that can be our what the fuck did Edith do this time? Because it's it's interesting because, like, Edith is, um, like, low-key kind of shitty for, like, this whole first season. Has a face turn in season two and then, like, a bit later on she just becomes genuinely moustache-twirlingly evil. Oh, man. It'd be cool if she got a moustache. <laughs> or a goatee to stroke. You don't see many goatee strokes. No, no. The goatee's not the popular. You know, just, just twisting it like your Jafar. Yeah. <laughs> In the servants' hall, Anna prepares a tray to take to Mr. Bates, who hasn't come downstairs for dinner. Anna finds him crying and has the grace to pretend that she didn't see anything. Oh, yeah, that was nice. We have... The romantic strings rising in the background, and I kind of hate it. (laughs) Feel this way, damn it. We are heavily implying these two will be married. (laughs) This script isn't full enough to carry it themselves. We need musical cues. The Duke has a question for Robert and suggests Mary's prospects have changed, and Robert says he has no intention of fighting the entail, but he's sure that the Duke of Hell's Kitchen will be very happy with his daughter. The Duke pretends that he never remotely intended on making Mary an offer, and then when he sees her, gives her the brush off. Edith emerges from the shadows like the Terminator and gloats about it. (laughs) She does too. I remember this. Like, she just melts into focus, and she's like... (laughs) I guess he slipped the hook. <laughs> yes, I guess he slipped the hook. At least I'm fishing with bait, honey. <laughs> Ooh, burn. Yeah, that is also the thing. Um, Edith, Edith will come at Mary, but Mary is better at insults. 
So she's always just basically just coming out to be slapped. Thomas and the Duke, because Thomas is the footman that was chosen. Yes. And he pretended that he didn't really know the guy. He was just like, I, I remember you. You looked after me in London last season. What, what oh, was yeah. your name? You looked after me. <laughs> yes, Thomas and the Duke discuss the fact that Robert has refused to fight the entail. And my God, does Charlie Cox have a lot of chest hair that he does not have on Daredevil. <laughs> he must wax. No, no, I've actually heard this discussion because he was on Thirst Aid Kid a couple weeks ago. Oh, Thirst Aid Kid. <laughs> Aid yes, yes, okay, it is. Cool. It's excellent that show. They've also had Chris Evans on. So it, the, the level of thirst almost uh, meets my level during Robin Hood. <laughs> we learn that. Oh, I was you asked about waxing. He's like, no. Are you insane? I shave. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen the forty-year-old virgin? What's his What's his response there? The best part about that was live too, the four-year-old version. Yes, yes, they actually just had someone who had never waxed a chest before. And they, yeah, and they made, and it was all real wax, and Steve Carell had never had it done before. Oh. So all those reactions are legitimate. Oh, dude. And, all the, and it made all the reactions around it legitimate as well, which made it good. We have Max, my landlord's son, directly outside this window now, doing the, doing the edges of the lawn. The whippersnipper. <laughs> He's got the whippersnipper out. Is that is that what it's called in other parts of the world? I have no idea. Weed whacker is the other one. Weed, Weed whacker, whacker. line trimmer. No, that's I learned this the other day. That's technically a separate thing. Oh, yeah. Whipper, so whipper snipper is a um, has the one with the plastic. Two so it, yeah, the two. so it whips and or wax weeds. A line trimmer is actually a blade, and it's in a straight line, and you trim. Oh. It's actually more dangerous because it's a spinning metal disc. Like a, oh, okay. like a, uh, uh, angle grinder. Okay. Yeah. And now I'm just thinking about all those lawns on, in Downton. What are they using to cut those? Scissors. Oh, that's from when we were the ill-gotten rain podcast. Oh. Where it was, how the fuck are you keeping these lawns that good? <laughs> and that was set in 1700s. No, no, that's, that's 1500s. 1500s. 1500s, that's why. They actually have like. My next door neighbour has one. And Is this the push? The one that goes... That just makes the lawn fall, just, like, yeah. lay down. Yeah, yeah it literally sh- is just like a spinning blade, but it's as you turn the wheels, as you push it over it. So it literally yeah, it just... The... Yeah, it, like, puts it out behind it. Yeah. And then, obviously, there'd be someone that's raking it behind. Mm. But those, like, there is some seriously manicured lawn for that period of time. And, um, yeah... That's an interesting question. Maybe we can look. I'll look into for gardening the, maintenance, gar- gardening maintenance in the Edwardian period. All right. We learned that Thomas told the Duke to come in the first place, with the prospect of Mary being an heiress. Thomas gets his smooch on with the Duke, which is not ideal if you read comic books. Like every single one of Daredevil's girlfriends die horribly unless they're Black Widow. <laughs> did he get with Black Widow? Yes, he did. What? What a bang up, dude. Yeah, um, Matt Murdo- Mur- Murdoch kind of has the peen of death. The peen of death? Yes. Yeah. The dick of doom, if you will. The, the dick, dick of doom! <laughs> Alright. Well. But um, the smoosh is not taken very well because the Duke is actually dumping Thomas anyway with the very suggestive phrase, one swallow doesn't make a summer. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Which I guess is meant to mean like we hooked up one time and I'm not your boyfriend, but also like just phrasing, my guy. (laughs) Phrasing. (laughs) Julian Fellows. Thomas points out that he has a bunch of love letters from the Duke, except, oh shit, the Duke has the letters and he throws them into the fire! Oh no, I almost feel sorry for The insurance policy is ruined. Robert tells Cora that he didn't know that his decision about the entail would be that he wasn't going to fight it until the Duke got his gold digger on. And also makes... um, Makes a point, it's like, do we really think that Mary would have been happy with a fortune hunter? And Cora's like, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Which, burn, but also they're kind of sweet about it. Oh. <laughs> Cora hasn't given up on Mary being the heiress, though, and they go to bed on that note. And the fact that they actually, like, sleep in the same bed is also not a not a very regular That thing. does come up later. Mary, like, comes into their room at one point and it's like, you know that the smart people have separate bedrooms? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, they don't have a son yet, so... <laughs> That's true. They're going to be trying. <laughs> They're still going to try, even though, like, their next youngest like, child is already 17, so yeah. you've got to think that they're probably well into their prime, like, of baby-making era? I don't know. I've got a friend who, um, her youngest sister was born when she was 18. So... Shit. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. That could be like a... I thought I was in menopause, but turns out I was pregnant! Love it. (laughs) Bates is going to ride in the same car as the Duke to the train, but at the last minute Robert decides that this isn't right and uh, doesn't want to make him go. Thomas does not look happy. (laughs) And now we cut to, I think it's Liverpool that um, Matthew's meant to live in. Yeah, I yes. think so too. We cut to the breakfast service between Matthew Crawley and his mother, Isabel. This is a character. the Beast. <laughs> this is a character who, as opposed to the Duke, um, is actually called Matthew. According to the Downton Wiki, the Duke's name is actually Philip. Philip J. Fry. <laughs> Matthew has received a letter from Robert, and the episode ends on Matthew discovering that he has been named the heir. (gasps) On that as well, he actually got given a um, letter with a black border, which was actually a traditional way that you would notify people that someone in their family had died during the Edwardian period. It was one of those mourning customs, so you would just send out a note basically saying, this person has died... You know, if you were close to if you were close to the people that you needed to notify, then you would say, "This person's died." You know, sorry for your loss, and explain that the funeral details were to come. But obviously, they actually figured out that Matthew was the heir, but not until after the memorial. So they sent him that, and it was probably like, "Yeah, this guy died. Sorry for your loss, but you're now the heir mm. of the Earl." Brentham, so you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice letter to get with the mic order. We, we did have, um, when they were walking back from the memorial, there was the, they had figured out who the heir was, and, um, you know, he's a lawyer from Liverpool, <laughs> and and um, his father was a doctor, and Robert's just there like, it seems very strange that I should be related to a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably true, because, yes, because at that point, like, the... You know, like the aristocracy were very much 
up until the turn of the century, very, very separate yes. from the rest of society. Yeah, mm. your profession was basically being a landlord. Yeah. So for him to have a family a working, member... A working a, family Yeah. Member. yeah. This, work, is, this was considered working class. Yeah, like it's working class like, and like to be, a tr- like you know, almost like a tradesman. Um, that bit in um, Pride and Prejudice where Caroline Bingley is like, her uncle is in trade, and they're talking about the fact that he's a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think we were pretty much done, unless you've got more history tidbits. History yeah, tidbits? Because oh. we can't do a review, because... Uh, it's, it's the first it's episode, the first episode pilot, episode. and it was a bloody long lots, episode, too. Long, lots of heavy lifting, so mm. it gets a pass yeah. for a... Yeah. I do... As a pilot episode goes, it's a pass, I reckon. I do feel that we were introduced pretty well to all of the major characters so far. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is a lot because there are so many main characters on this show. Yeah. Many characters, so. And so many inter- interwoven like, yeah, storylines. Yeah, I'm not going to – it's we'll pass judgment on whether we like – we've got some initial – character favourites, but it'll be better once we know what their intentions are and their storylines play out as yeah. to whether or not uh, we still like them or yes. they grow up. Yes. We get some hints that um, Thomas is a bit underhanded, but not um, a whole lot regarding <laughs> regarding yeah. that. He's, he's underhanded, but I don't think he's very intelligent about it. Mm. Like, he doesn't think too much about it. He tries to do it in the spur of the moment. Yes. Well, he's also probably been working since he was 12, so, like... <laughs> very little education. Yes. Yes. But, um, yeah. Cool. That's our first, very first episode of Downton Down Under. Mm. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Downton Down Under is a production of Bronze Peak Media and is recorded in South Australia. Our music was written and performed by Bethany Jones. If you liked the show, please rate, review and subscribe so that others can find us. You can contact us on Twitter at Bronze Peak Media or by email at bronzepeakmedia at gmail.com.